Okay, so Mick, we got a story for you yes. today. Okay, go for it. Let's, let's let's hear what you got. So yesterday I went on a little lunch excursion with my girlfriend and my, my youngest brother, Lucas. Right. And okay. we went to lunch and I, if anybody who knows me, knows that I pound diet soda like it's nobody's business. Okay. And I found myself in the predicament where I drank four sodas, like four giant glasses of sodas. And then we left. So amidst the hour and 10 minute drive home, I found myself having to piss really bad. And the next rest stop being really far out there. Uh So all we had was more Coke bottles to piss in. So wait, 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 There's nobody in the world only has a Coke bottle. <laughs> well, it was a Coke. We had two empty Coke bottles and then we had like a cup wait, from like, am a, I, am I assuming that you, you just didn't want to stop the car? Well, essentially, yes. <laughs> okay. So we're on the highway. We're going down the highway and I'm just like, I need to piss now. So fucking bad. So I kind of like turn sideways in the seat. We're going to, I buckle my seatbelt and I, I take out my dick and I start pissing at the tip of this Coke bottle and everything's going smooth. <laughs> and my girlfriend hits this fucking bump and I start pissing all over the fucking window, all over the fucking dashboard. And I'm, and I'm trying to stop. And she's like, what's going on over there? And she just starts panicking because I'm pissing everywhere. And I finally stop. And I'm like, I still got to piss, Sarah. I got to I still got to I, I can't just stop midstream. So she hands me this cup. And so I start pissing in this cup and I hand her with my hand covered in piss, hand her the other one. And she's just like, I'm not touching that. I'm not touching that. So I I continue to piss and then I fill that cup up. So I hand her that cup and then she's like, no, not another bottle. So I start pissing in the other Coke bottle. And it's fucking all over the dashboard still. And, and so I'm, I'm, I'm done. And I'm just sitting there with piss all over me. And I said, do we have any napkins? <laughs> so I take my hand that's not covered in piss and I open up the glove box. Not a single fucking napkin. Of course. That's, no. That was that was a given. You knew that, right? Yeah, of course. It's my that. life. So she looks she reaches over and she goes into her like this side pouch on her door and she pulls out a packet of mini tissues <laughs> and hands them to me. It <laughs> says this should help. Oh my so god. I find myself cleaning piss off my girlfriend's windshield, window, door, <laughs> and dashboard with mini tissues, and then it's we see a sign that says rest stop two miles. <laughs> <laughs> of course you did. And that's my uh I pissed inside that of my girlfriend's well, car story. 
Ain't that a pisser? <laughs> oh my god! Well, there you go. Of course. So, uh, what'd you do this week, Mick? Uh, let's see. Uh, I I put windows in my uh. You, you, uh, we just moved to Tennessee. Yes. Um, I think that on Tuesday, uh, my wife had an allergic reaction to Tennessee, <laughs> and. And her face and lips like uh, grew to uh, four times her normal size. So she looked like Nicki Minaj. Exactly. Exactly. You know, I, I, I was going to say is like the woman from Best in Show, you know, with the really big lips. <laughs> but but uh, so we uh, so we go to the uh, we went to the emergency room and and nobody shows any surprise. They just go, oh. So you're from out of town, right? Yeah. And she goes, yeah, this place will do it to you. I was like, wow. Jesus. So that's why the early, the, all the pictures of the early settlers look like that, huh? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, you're so, doing some renovations? Yes, yes. I, 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 so then uh, the, the next day I began uh, renovations, of which I'm still exhausted from, but we put – um, it's, it, it, the thing is we have this, this little house that's new. Yeah. That is behind the big house. And the thing is, is this house was put on the property for the, uh, con the, this guy owns this huge piece of property okay. and he's been dividing it into six, uh, six acre lots. And what he does is he immediately builds a house, a quick house on the property and a little tiny one. And then he calls that his residence. And then he builds an enormous house next to it. And, and that process takes about a year or, or it takes about a year and a half. And then by the time he gets it sold, it's two years. And then, uh, and then he can call that, uh, it makes it so that he doesn't pay capital gains and he sells it with six acres of property. Right. Okay. And, uh, and he, and he's just like, now he's building one, like a couple of lots, a couple of his own lots away, you know, that he's doing the same thing. And, um, and so we moved into the small house, which is just, just barely a house, you know, I mean, it's just, uh, so we're just, uh, remodeling as we go here and i put in six or i put in three windows that are six foot high and each one of them is three feet wide and i just jammed them all together so that they look like an enormous you know window yeah and uh and, and it's just it's just gorgeous it lit everything up and um that's where you stand naked every morning yes yeah exactly <laughs> and i and the deer come by and they're surprised <laughs> <laughs> no, we, there there is literally a copse of trees outside, right outside of. Uh, it's on the lot next door, but I mean, not that you can really tell, but but there's a copse of trees there, and the the deer like gather gather there in the morning and do that. <laughs> right, they do that in the morning. <laughs> And so I wanted to open, I wanted to open up the side of the house that, that has the deer out there so that uh, my wife could uh, watch the deer in the morning. Excellent. So, 
uh, I did that. I I went on a uh, podcast, George C. Romero's podcast with uh, uh, Joe Wrigley, Rid, 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 Ridgley, and um, uh, it, the Indie Indie Brigade show. Okay, and I hit it off with him immensely well. And he is going to be on our podcast next weekend. Ooh, got to get some promos up for that. And uh, what else yes. are we going to be doing next week for the first time? Uh, what else are we? I, I, you know, uh, we are going to be streaming video, baby. Oh, yes. That's live to Facebook. Live rabbit hole. L- live rabbit hole. Live rabbit as opposed to cooked rabbit, which yeah. is what we've been doing. <laughs> We've been doing we've been cooking the rabbit. We have, right? We're yes. not wasting rabbit and just throwing it away, right? No, we're cooking it and then eating oh, it. Oh, we're yeah. cooking. Okay, good, good. Um, yeah, so there's that. And 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 you have like some thing you, you know the funny thing is is my past and um George's past, uh he started in the film business. Uh he he didn't take his he used his mother's name. Oh, uh, is uh is his last name and got into the business and and uh and we just had a blast talking about you know uh 80s and 90s and 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 uh it, it was a different time than now for sure <laughs> oh. Tough. you know both of us were uh, yeah yeah you know it was a uh, um you will find out. I want him to speak for himself, but uh, but it's uh, he's hilarious and uh, and I'm hilarious, and together, you know what we are? Extremely We're hilarious. hilarious. <laughs> Extremely hilarious. That's right. Back in Double the day hilarious. when you uh, designed our nightmares and rocked a mustache. <laughs> that's that's right. <laughs> so speaking of back in the day, let's talk about a ten thousand dollar couch. A ten thousand dollar couch. How did you pull? How did you pull up this story? This is so funny that you should so, do this. Uh, that apparently that got brought up into in a conversation with Joe Castro and producer Don Shell, and Don right. told me to ask you about it. So here we are. <laughs> okay, uh, I was the art director with a uh, with a cr- uh, crazy. Uh, um, uh, production designer who, who used to, uh, on, on, uh, tales from the dark side. Yes. And we, we had no money at all. And, and she didn't know that she, and she would, she would go out and, uh, and, and go rent these uh, pieces of furniture, but she was so, I swear she was so beautiful. Mm-hmm. She was, she was actually uh Tchotchke's, uh, girlfriend on happy days. Oh, and, okay. And and she her name was Serena Rodstein, and she was just, you know, a ten and a half, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and it it hit a wicked heart. So, <laughs> she, she was just the most manipulative, like just, uh, you know, she was one of those people that totally knew she was beautiful and used it all the time, right? Yeah. yeah. Against all of us, <laughs> so <laughs> so she um, she would get these, you know, bat her eyes and and get anybody anywhere in town to rent her stuff for nothing, right? Yeah, which is there's an intrinsic problem with that <laughs> <laughs> because the thing is, is you're supposed to rent things for between five and ten percent of their value for a week. 
Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, that's kind of like the standard for furniture and stuff like that. And it gives you a uh, so if I give you a sh- uh, a budget of, uh, say, uh, you know, a thousand dollars, that means that possibly I would have ten thousand dollars worth of stuff on a stage. Right. OK. OK. So uh, and, and I think that we probably per episode of Tales from the Dark Side probably worked in the neighborhood of a five thousand dollar budget for the whole thing uh, for just for rentals. Right. OK. And so this is the furniture and all the rest of that stuff. So, uh, you know, even if the whole stage burned down, you would have $50,000 in, right? Mm-hmm. But this concept never seemed to like gel in her head that it was beyond what you rented things for. Because I could tell you sometimes we would have, uh, we, we, we would have like uh, easily, you know, uh, $200,000 worth of stuff out on the stage because she, would you know talk these you know you know wear a low cut the, the lower the cut on her uh blouse the better the, uh, the better the stuff <laughs> the more the better the stuff yeah <laughs> in other words in other words the better the stuff the better the stuff you yeah. see what i'm saying <laughs> so 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 she goes out and, and, and for this one she, she uh rents this uh uh couch for for like uh some ridiculous like 100 bucks right and this couch comes in and it is like it's like all leather uh-huh. utterly utterly designer you know like <laughs> i think it, it had like a swath of yellow leather that kind of like went bias across the top of it you uh-huh. know just like very stunning and and that like that and, and so <laughs> The somewhere in the middle of it, we had to puppet. We we had a skeleton that sat on the sofa, <laughs> and the skeleton is supposed to be uh, the, the guy converts to a skeleton, right? Yeah. And then the skeleton has to uh, raise his arms, and it it it, it so <laughs> so the effects guys get there to operate the skeleton, and they just drill holes all the way through. The oh sofa. no. <laughs> Because come on, right? Yeah. Because <laughs> they came in, they asked me if they could do that, and I said, "Well, if you have to, go ahead." <laughs> I didn't know. <laughs> she comes in, she goes, she comes in like next, she goes, "Oh my god, they drill holes right through that sofa. There's a three inch hole in my goddamn ten thousand dollars sofa." And I go, "Okay, first of all." <laughs> What is a ten thousand dollars sofa doing on a show that is not even worth five grand for the whole show? <laughs> right, <laughs> right, That's crazy. Right? So, it was utterly crazy. But but that show, I, I mean, I was learning a lot about stuff. That show was the first show that I ever had a colorblind um, scenic artist on, mm-hmm. and the way that I found out was the weirdest <laughs> weirdest thing. We had this. Um, I got this, you know, it's it's like when you're working on stages and you're just trying to pull people in for whatever it is that you need to do. Right. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, you know, I'll, uh, I've got two hundred dollars and I'll, I'll I'll pull in a scenic, you know, to just uh, paint marble columns on this, you know, at, at night. So <laughs> so that that would happen. Right. So I <laughs> one day I I come in and and, and I said, OK. Here's your paint, you know, over in the corner, 
um, and, and there's a little pile of paint so that he would have, you know, colors that were all associated, you know, for it. So that I didn't have to say, oh, well, this color and this color, this color. I said, there's your paint. Th those are the colors, right? <laughs> and um, and I took off, uh, probably left the stage early at 10 o'clock at night, you yeah. know? Okay, I get back in the morning, and <laughs> he's still there, but he's just finishing up. And he's on the stage, and he's using a feather. Now, because... <laughs> If you're doing marbling, the way that they do the little veins, you know, uh, the stone veins and stuff, yeah. is they take a feather and they twirl it as they as to they dip it in the paint and then they twirl and twirl and twirl and it gets that that you know look that that wide and and then narrow and then you know that you know the look I'm talking yeah. about. And he's doing it in the like a neon pink over a. <laughs> over a base that is a swirl of like um, is a squirrel swirl of chocolate brown uh, sort of a uh, weird phthalo green and um, sky blue. Okay. <laughs> on, on, on a column. Right. And it, and it just was the most, and what it was is it was, <laughs> what they had done is they had uh, they knew that they were trying to get rid of all the paint all the paint that we just couldn't get off the stage right you know <laughs> so they had piled it up in a corner and the pile that I pointed at was that pile and that wasn't the pile that had been set aside <laughs> and, I, and I go oh my god what are you doing <laughs> and he goes what do you mean what am I doing and I go Dude, uh, I, I was, uh, you're supposed to be uh, seeing, painting this, but th th this doesn't look like marble. It, it, this looks like a, looks like a bad black light poster. What the hell went wrong? <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, those weren't the right paints. And I go, no. And he goes, it, it, and he just, he just almost cries. And he goes, I, I'm, I'm actually a sculptor. <laughs> <laughs> you really don't know colors at all. I'm I'm colorblind. <laughs> I, was like, oh I was like, wait a minute. You're telling me that I came in here and I hired a colorblind scenic painter to, to do my columns and nobody nobody thought to actually bring that to my <laughs> to my attention. <laughs> Only really? you though. Only you. I said, and I just, I, I honestly, and I just stood there and I went, okay, well, that's got to be a first. And I appreciated <laughs> it from that point of view. And when the the director comes out and looks at me and says, what the hell is with these columns? And I say, oh, we're trying something new. And <laughs> I walked away. I figured, screw it. It isn't going to make any difference. Yeah, anyway. really. It isn't going to make it any better. It isn't going to make it worse. And it certainly isn't going to make it any better. Yeah. <laughs> That's fucking so, great. So, the, the, uh, so th those are two of my tales from the dark side uh, stories. Uh, uh, just, just. You only I, did I 10 episodes of that show. I only what? It says on IMDb, you only did 10 episodes of that show. Uh, I did a season. I don't know what a season is. Probably that then. Well, it, it was 10 episodes because 
you would do, we did 10, we did 10, and then New York did 10. The only reason that they did this is because uh, in, in Philadelphia, it wasn't New York, but it was in Philadelphia, uh, they, they they were trying to, uh, uh, um, it was mob money, and they were <laughs> trying to use the show to, uh, to uh, you know, Make le- make their money legitimate. Oh, you know? I see. Okay. So we use cash all the, literally all the time. You know, and somebody came in at two hundred dollars cash. You know, it, it, and there used to be an endless supply of cash and a very hard time getting a check, which is completely opposite from any legitimate business I have ever worked with yeah. before. <laughs> but, but we knew that these guys weren't legitimate, you know. <laughs> Let me tell you, and we did at ten episodes. Uh, everybody in the building was like absolutely drunk all the time. Um, okay. Stroh's Stroh's beer uh, used to uh, sponsor us, and uh, they would come in and they would they would fill the men's room. It, it, it was an old, um, you know, some kind of small factory mm-hmm. at one point, and it had a, uh, it had a, th- that room that has that, that round urinal, that big, you know, the, you ever been in a building that, that has a round urinal? A round you know, urinal. Yeah. It looks like a fountain. Okay. Yeah. 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 And then you, you kind of like, a, a, as you step up to the fountain, uh, you step on this ring, right. And the water starts to run and then you piss. And, and, and the thing is, is you can be pissing, just looking right at another guy that's on the other side of it, <laughs> which is always get a little bit weird. Of course. <laughs> but, but the thing is, is, it was a big bathroom, right? Yeah. And Stroh's would come in, Stroh's would come in and they would fill that bathroom until you would uh, open the door and it would be nothing but a wall of beer. Right. <laughs> And they did it every Friday, and it was empty. Usually, it was empty by Wednesday. So- oh wow! <laughs> Big alcoholics, Big alcohol. and, the, and so they it had all these Philadelphia people that you couldn't understand because you know they said things twice. Yeah, you know, it's like I need that done. I need it done. You know, uh, you know, you know, uh, park the car over there, over there. You know, over there, over there. Right? That guy's <laughs> like, wow. When you mean? People don't don't really speak the same language, do you? <laughs> just say shit once, just once. All right. <laughs> so, as we are in the month of October, segueing yes, into our next segment, uh, and yes. I am the horror movie guy that I am. I've recently gone through the Candyman films again, one through three, uh, and I have a question for you about the first film. Sure. What is your crowning art achievement on that particular film? Oh, uh, nothing. Nothing. Uh, I, 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 I stopped the production designer and the uh, director of photography from killing each other. And that was my job. Oh, and, and I did it well. OK, I've told you I've told you about this before, right? Yes, I believe that we had an episode yeah. where you said exactly. Yeah, about was, that. told you exactly how that happened. And that is exactly what I did. I mean, I I literally. You know, ninety percent of it was done. I, I I did a prison cell. Oh my god! I, I, did, I just realized it says art department supervisor. You just supervise people from not killing each other. Okay, right? Literally, <laughs> literally. <laughs> supervisor, don't kill, don't kill each other. I mean, I I spent most of that. I swear to God, I could have sat in a damn chair 
next to the filming mm-hmm. and 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 in reality that's what i did i mean i i did make work mm-hmm. you know i like cleaned up the paperwork and shit like that but my job was literally to jump in between those two and it and literally it happened all the time oh my i mean all the time i had to jump i had to stop those two from killing each other um you know uh uh, a raging egomaniac and a raging ex-alcoholic <laughs> going at each other. It's just, it, it was a lot. It was a lot to handle. <laughs> I enjoyed the first film tremendously, as other horror fans everywhere have. Now, right. do you do you know why they decided to retcon the entire story in the second one? Uh, I I know nothing about it. I, I I mean literally that that was my job, and and mm-hmm. uh, as soon as filming was done, I drove away. <laughs> you know, I mean, that that was just it was literally literally I was acting as a bulletproof shield. Jeez. And, <laughs> oh my. Okay. and even my search. I mean, I I really loved talking to uh, um, uh, oh, why is his name just gone? Candy man himself. Tony um, Todd. Tony Todd, I, he's he's just really one of the sweetest guys in the world. And, oh yeah, and he thought he thought my job there was hilarious <laughs> at the time. He thought that was funny as hell. So you were here just to stop those two from killing each other. I go, yeah, and he goes, that's pretty weird. I go, well, it is Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. So segueing into our final segment of the episode, The Grateful yeah. Dead. What is your favorite Grateful Dead story? What is my great? OK, this is this has to go back. <laughs> I have a lot of a lot of weird ones, but uh, this this one was uh, when I was still in San Bernardino and I went to see them. I think that they came to San Bernardino just literally a month before I left, like 1980 or something, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I I went down and I got dope uh, in the parking lot, um, not intentionally. I, I I drank a beer from somebody, and somebody else comes up and goes, "Hey, he put like three hits on the on the mouth of that beer." There <laughs> <laughs> you Really? Now I had. Now here's the thing. I'd fried before, <laughs> and uh, and I'd had a lot of reactions. But on this one, oh, <laughs> in God. this particular one, so I gave my tickets. I went into the. I went into the uh, swing auditorium, later to be destroyed by an airplane. Um, I went into the swing auditorium. Um, got all the way up to like. You know, where I used to stand, I used to stand really close to the front, right? And I'm standing there, and all of a sudden, something started to hit me, and it surprised me. (laughs) (laughs) Because the thing is, is anytime you drink anything at a uh, Grateful Dead concert, somebody tells you it's dosed, right? Of course. (laughs) (laughs) But but 90% of the time, 99% of the time, it's just bullshit, right? Mm -hmm. You know? Well, turned out to not be so much bullshit. Oh God! And and I'm and I'm standing there going, oh, okay, oh shit! And and I'm watching it. I guess I've been told this mm-hmm. that I started to turn around, 
and around. And I went, oh, my God, they really put something in that as I'm going around and around and around. And here's the thing. This is what it seemed like to me. <laughs> to me, everything was spinning around me. <laughs> so, <laughs> so everything is spinning around me, right? And I'm like, I'm like, oh my god! I wish everything had stopped spinning. <laughs> and I kept hearing people come up. And people would come up and go, "Hey, man, you've got to stop." You're spinning. <laughs> I can't hear him put out the whole thought because I'm spinning around. Yeah. And I'm like, how do I stop myself from, how do I stop the world from spinning around? And people are going, well, you could try not spinning around. <laughs> so it's very hard to communicate to somebody who's doing that and who thinks the world is spinning around them. But, but, but you know what? That's, you can tell, you know, deep down inside, I must have a hell of an ego because I was convinced that the world was spinning around me. I wasn't just spinning. Oh, my. <laughs> so, somehow or other, I made my way back out of the show, <laughs> oh, God. out into the parking lot. Um, I had come with somebody else, so then I realized that I didn't have a car, and everything is still spinning around me. <laughs> and <laughs> there was... <laughs> Uh, and I knew that that at the Angels, the Angels Hardware Store, which was a mile and a half away. Yes, <laughs> I knew that there was a phone booth out front, right? <laughs> and so <laughs> everything's still spinning around me, which obviously means that I was just spinning around in circles, right? Yeah. <laughs> I somehow managed to navigate my way, and I don't say walk because it. Probably didn't resemble a walk. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I managed to get to the park to this parking lot that had a phone in the weirdest position. It was just like in the middle of the parking lot, right? Literally just in the middle of the parking lot. It's a phone booth, right? Mm -hmm. And I grabbed the phone, and and that made me stop spinning. So I knew that in order to stop spinning, I had to hold on to the phone. <laughs> and guy comes up and he goes. Hey, are you going to make a call or something? Because I need to make a call. I'm like, don't, man, because I'll start spinning again. <laughs> Everything will start spinning around again, you know, uh, uh, because because obvi obviously I had my own physics thing going. Yeah. Right? And, and I called my wife, right? Oh, my. She said, you've got to come down and get me. I'm in the parking lot of angels, and everything is just spinning around, right? <laughs> and so I literally – Held on like I was in a gale force wind, right? <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, literally, like I'm standing back from the phone and leaning forward with the phone stretched at the <laughs> extent of it, just standing there going, ah, stop the wind. <laughs> of course, there's no wind. There's no nothing. I think I'm, I, you know what it looked like as I was trying to mime being in a tornado. Right? You know? <laughs> and so I held on to the phone until my wife dries up and we had a little, we had a little, uh, TR two fifty, which is like a TR four. And, um, and she was pregnant at the time. And, um, I, I like, I like go, Oh my God. And I, I opened the door and I took my hands and it was an older car at that point. <laughs> it was just like a 1968. 
And uh, I, this is probably 1980, I think, or okay, yeah, yeah, yeah it was it would have had to have been 1980. And and I <laughs> reached just reached out and grabbed my grabbed the dashboard so hard, and it was kind of brittle. You know how they get after a while. Yeah. And literally until we sold that car, you could see the place. You could see my finger imprints <laughs> in. <laughs> That was it, it. It that stopped me from like uh, from they stopped the world from spinning. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, and and that was uh, and I went home and I literally didn't didn't see the first the first. I I swear they they probably didn't start for fifteen minutes after I was gone. Oh my, that's. <laughs> <laughs> I've gone so, to a lot of concerts in my day as well. I, I've never had a bad acid trip or, quite frankly, done acid, but uh, I'll tell you well, what. <laughs> well, listen, no, no, nobody has a bad I smoked a joint trip. Yeah, that's true. That is very true. <laughs> <laughs> I took a bowl and then woo, everything went. <laughs> Unless no, that's late. that doesn't happen, you know? Yeah, that's very true. You, you, you know, it's the thing that cracks me. Up though is microdoses these days. Microdoses. <laughs> I'm like, really? Microdoses? You know what? Back when men were men. <laughs> Back when men were men. <laughs> we took 250 milligrams. Yeah, the, what is this time, pussy shit? And we enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> and the walls melted, and the walls melted, and the raccoons were all over me, and we. Enjoyed it. <laughs> Every person in the car looked like a monster, but goddamn, that's right. Everybody and I put and I and and I was blowing bubbles standing in the in the living room for fourteen hours straight, and I enjoyed it. That is awesome. That actually that actually happened, but that's another story for another day. <laughs> that's great. So, anything you're working on currently, Mick? Uh, I just made an option on a script uh, that I'm uh, starting to pass around. Um, What else am I? Oh, well, of course, I'm working on um, Up All Night. Yes, your return to the nightmare. Yes, my return to the nightmare. And and I had a long talk with Matt Shaw and uh, made him go back to the the, uh, uh, starting board and start all over. because if, and, if you're uh, going to be involved, it's going to be fucking done right. <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah, it's funny. That was exactly the way. <laughs> like, uh, no, I, I can understand, but uh, I know this uh, genre a little bit better, mm-hmm. and we should do this and this and this. Because uh, I, I, I mean, I, I can't really go into it, but uh, yeah, you know, it's going to be cool. Speaking of nightmare, uh, did you posted those uh, iPhone 11 nightmare set photos? Yes, I worked on that. <laughs> That's fucking By the way, crazy. And I was working on that. Uh, I, I, uh, Roy Wagner called me up, and, and then uh, his people called me up, and and they're making a uh, Roy Wagner, who is a, a prince among men, and and a, a and a wonderful DP, and he was the DP on Nightmare on Elm Street Three, and he's starting a course uh, on. Uh, how to, uh, how to, um, y- you know, light light a show. Yeah, and and 
and so he just what he decided to do was for the first episode he was going to do a segment of Nightmare on Elm Street three, um, and uh, and do it with an iPhone nine or iPhone eleven. Yeah, and uh, it's funny because all of a sudden I saw this shot, a shot I have never seen of, of the boiler room. And I was, Oh, holy shit. What the hell is this? And then I remembered, Oh yeah, that's right. I was working with these guys on this. <laughs> <laughs> the shots look incredible. I mean, they look absolutely incredible. Yeah. See now that's the way it looked yeah. in, in real life, you know? So, uh, yeah, fu- fun stuff. huh? That's kind of like a thing now is, uh, making films with like very limited resources on purpose, you know, back in your day, you were forced to fucking do that. Now it's a trendy thing. Uh, well, you know what I've said? I, I, I say this all the time that, um, I have in my pocket, I have the equivalent of $500,000 camera rig, uh, in 1983, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is, it's really true, you know. It, it absolutely is, you know. I've seen one movie. I can't remember what it was called, but it was filmed on an iPhone Seven. The whole right. Fucking that was film. the uh, that. Oh, that. Who was that by? Uh, yeah, I could pull that up in a second. I'm not, I. Uh, it's just crazy that people are doing this, and it's very interesting to see uh, how they're doing this and like the results of it. Unsane. Uh, right. Unsane. Yeah. Unsane was the name of it. Steve right. Soderbergh's. Uh, and you know what the thing is, is you can sit and you can watch the film mm-hmm. and you can completely watch it without a sense of irony about it being shot. It's not even a consideration. I mean, it's it's a it's a, a it proves that you can do bad films mm-hmm. with uh, with almost nothing. Uh, whereas it used to take us like uh, $500,000 to do a pretty bad film. <laughs> <laughs> you could imagine the rig that surrounded that iPhone, though. That might have been like the glo- most glorified fucking iPhone. I, you know what? I, I remember every once in a while, uh, every once in a while, uh, we would shoot um, 16 millimeter. Uh, like I do a TV pilot on 16 millimeter. Yeah. And I remember the look of a 16 millimeter uh camera sitting up on top of a, a of a Mitchell dolly, you know, who <laughs> yeah. just looked so funny. You know, I was like, well, that's really weird. You know, <laughs> well, you, you know, you know where the Mitchell cameras came from, right? Nope. Tell me this story. Okay. No, I, I, I just give you a, a little history of the Ooh. business. Uh, when, uh, when color came out, up until the time of color, most cameras, most uh, uh, most cameras, and most most of the films that you saw were sixteen millimeter. Um, and uh, and then in thirty nine, there was Gone with the Wind, or there was um, Wizard of Oz. Yes, and uh, I think that Wizard of Oz was one of the first ones done in thirty five millimeter, and. One of the reasons that they could do that is that the company Mitchell had started to build 35 millimeter cameras for the war effort for World War II. Okay. And because they needed detail, they need they they needed it for uh, reconnaissance. They needed it, you know, for absolutely everything. They needed they they wanted to um, 
they wanted to shoot the war, you mm-hmm. know, you know, yeah. for propaganda and so forth. And uh, they also needed it for uh, high, uh, high altitude reconnaissance. And so, uh, so they went to the wider format. They developed 35 millimeter specifically for that. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and then they proceeded to make, you know, millions of the cameras. <laughs> and so all these, you know, the, the end of the war comes and the tip of, you know, the, the utter, uh, uh, all the good lenses, all the good cameras, and all the rest of that were war surplus, and the studios just uh, snapped all those up, and they uh, and they made a new standard it was thirty five millimeter. Okay. And most of the ones that they were using, all they had done was adapted sound to them, and they adopted those bodies, those Mitchell bodies, um. Infinitely. I mean, yeah. The, and then when the studio system fell apart in the late 50s, the early 60s, uh, a company called Panavision started out by buying all of the camera packages from all the studios and then going in and starting to make them better. Right. OK. <laughs> and be, because these things were these things were like. uh they were built like tanks. I mean, they didn't wear out. I mean, uh, but they started to put better lenses on them. They started to attach, you know, uh, sound equipment to them and so forth. And then eventually they started to make their own, their own bodies and stuff. Yeah. Um, and that became Panavision. And uh, Panavision, you know, and the companies that were working at, during the war were Airflex and uh, Mitchell. And Airflex began to modify there and, and from then on in the 60s then there became the technology chase mm-hmm. but it was all based on exactly the same technology between you know it was all world war ii technology of course and that's and that's where that's where we got our 35 millimeter from see that's funny because you also told me a story about the creation of particle board and how that related to world war ii right so much of so much of of our society is is based on you know, World War Two, and 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 the stuff. You know, uh, the very beginnings of Japan being able to stomp our butts uh, in the car uh, industries in the seventies mm-hmm. and the eighties also has to do with World War Two. That the manufacturers of um, the manufacturers of uh, all the uh, uh, airplanes, the aircraft, mm-hmm. and so forth, turned. You know, we didn't have anything for them to do in Japan. We didn't have anything that for them to do in um, uh, in Germany, and so we made them start building little tiny cars. Okay, <laughs> so that so that they would have you know so that they would have things you know vehicles that you could buy for four or five hundred bucks that would get them around, right? Yeah, you know, and then eventually. You know, particularly in Japan, then their marketing, their uh, their cars, they stuck with it, and because of you know uh, the higher prices of gas in these areas, they were the ones that built the better, started build better cars that we actually needed uh, at the end of the eighties and and on you know to to today, and so uh, World War Two is is. So much more pivotal 
in in you know that and the, the space race uh yeah are, are, were the two biggest social uh uh drivers of technology but then those drivers of technology uh a driver of technology in 10 years becomes the driver of sociology you know Okay, well, that was quite the history lesson with Mixtron. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> you asked. You asked. <laughs> Absolutely, I love it. Uh, who needs college when we have you? So yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> that's it for that episode of the Rabbit Hole. Uh, this is your host, TJ. Are we done already? We are done already. We are going to have a great guest next week. Yes, I'm we telling are. You. So- and and you're going to be able to see us. I'm yes, so excited. It's going to be definitely a big defining moment, and not only rabbit hole history but as podcasting history as a whole <laughs> here you know what let me let me turn up my headphones <laughs> <laughs> okay try that again podcasting history i miss my wife being separated just doesn't feel so right Eating buffalo wings with you just doesn't replace the physical touch that I need in my life. Oh, I go to bed alone. So lonely, I just feel like I am in a cocoon. I want to be touched. Oh, somebody please put their hands on me. I want to be touched. Oh. The gentle caress of a human, please I wanna be touched, oh I'll touch you if you touch me I wanna be touched, oh A double H.J. in the bathroom, please The bathroom, please The bathroom, please Please touch me